Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here this week before the Vashon Sheepdog Trials. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday starting tomorrow. I'm heading out there tomorrow. So excited to participate in this event every year. Uh, Definitely my favorite event in the area. And it's on Vashon Island, and it's just west of West Seattle on Puget Sound on beautiful Misty Isle Farms. And if you have not yet been to the event, I highly, highly recommend it. We've talked about it for the last several years on the show, and it just keeps getting better and better. Last year, I talked with Donald McCaig, a wonderful author. He's got great books, and um, he was actually present at the event last year, and I had the pleasure of interviewing him at the event in addition to here on the show before the event. And so uh, after this first segment, I'm going to be running my interview with him last year in celebration of the Sheepdog Trials happening this weekend. If you'd like to visit their website to find out details about the event, you can go to VashonSheepdogClassic.com. And they'll have everything you need to know as far as directions and parking and lodging and all that, all that good stuff. So I'm super excited for that this weekend. Um, Eric, do you remember when uh, several, I think it was in our first year on the air when my Nana called in? I do, yeah. Yeah, she was 95 at the time, I believe. She's 102 now and we we just moved her from Florida to Seattle. And she's actually not doing great. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Just just as of a week ago, we, we got her out here and um, she did better than I could have expected a 102-year-old to do on a flight from Florida to Seattle. Yeah, it's a long flight. Yeah, and she was actually gaining strength and, uh, you know, we got her settled in and took her to my mom's for lunch a few times and she was getting stronger and then she just... Uh, isn't isn't doing great this last week and it's just brings up mortality and uh yeah you know all that kind of stuff and then i think you know as i was thinking about the show today and thinking about all the shows that we've done over the years about the loss of pets and and grief and how it's just hard to be faced with that time of of life with a loved one whether it be two-legged or four-legged but for those of you who are listening who might be um, going through that, I'm experiencing that in my life again, except this time with a two-legged family member. Um, so, well, I don't know. We don't know with Nana, but she's awfully fragile at her age, and she's not doing well. So um, that's my space right now. But Well, it, good luck to you and good yeah. luck to Nana, and uh, we wish her the best. And being surrounded by people or animals that love you, uh, anytime when, you know, you are not feeling well or, you know, worse than that is so important. Uh, it definitely makes us feel better. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I think you've done a great thing by bringing her out here so you could be with her and she could be with you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was. we feel really good about that as well. Really grateful to, if it is close to her time, um, feeling sort of a conflict of, 
I wish I had more time. And then at the same time, so glad that I had even this little bit of time to have her close. And what a life uh, she must have led. I I mean, uh, to be 102 years old, I think you said. Mm -hmm. I mean, think of all the changes in the world that she has seen Mm -hmm. during her time. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. She she always had dachshunds when I grew up, when I was growing up. And uh, so I have one of our dogs as a dachshund, and I've taken her to visit with her a couple times, and it's been cool to witness the instant connection that she had there um, just because she's a dachshund, and she just would get such a kick out of Leia when she would bury herself <laughs> under the blankets and stuff. So cute. So um, so I'm really glad to have the space of the sheepdog trials to go to and be out in just the lovely atmosphere there this weekend and just be present to all that I'm grateful for as I am bracing myself for potentially having to say goodbye to my grandmother soon. But um, I couldn't ask for a better place to go to just enjoy myself and and uh, community and uh, the beauty of the human dog working relationship. So enjoy my conversation with Donald McKaig. He really was a pleasure on air and in person. And I hope to see you this weekend at the Vashon Sheepdog Trials. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Donald McKaig. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. God created man, but earlier that morning he had another plan. He took some spare parts, some look kind of weird, and cooked them for a while, and a wiener dog appeared. He had long floppy ears, sausage-shaped and brown, stubby little legs and belly dragging on the ground. And knows it's made for smelling where a rabbit might be dwelling, but it won't be there for long when a wiener dog's around. Now some dogs are hairy. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This summer, pack up the dog bowls and head to the Lodges on Vashon. Just a 20-minute ferry ride from West Seattle, Vashon Island is the perfect quick getaway for you, your family, and your furry friend. The Lodges on Vashon has 16 freestanding contemporary lodges, two communal spaces, and plenty of outdoor space to enjoy with your pooch. Go to lodgesonvashon.com for more information, because sometimes your dog needs a vacation too. Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Keep you warm, their nature's perfect brought. Yes, the weird dog is hot. Thin little tail, that's in constant motion, big brown eyes. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. That's a good one, Eric. Tribute to the, to the wiener dogs. That's right. Yeah. Um, so... Going to uh, air my interview with Donald McCaig from uh, last year's Sheepdog Trials. He was in person with us last year at the trials, and then I also had the pleasure of interviewing him. He's written a bunch of books. Uh, Eminent Dogs, Dangerous Men is probably the one he's most well-known for, or one of them anyway. And then he had a new book out last year, Mr. and Mrs. Dog. And he was really a pleasure to talk with uh, both on the phone and then in person at the trials. It was cool to have him there. Um so enjoy my interview with Donald McCaig. 
Donald, welcome to the dog show. Thank you. Now, did you say that you're in Virginia or West Virginia? In Virginia. Okay. Uh, by about 10 miles, I guess, as you go in, in one direction or another. Okay. And you will be attending the Vashon Sheepdog Classic this year in person for the first time. Very excited to have you. Well, I'm excited to get a chance to run the, the trial itself. It has a wonderful uh, reputation. I, I was out uh, in Seattle, I guess, two years ago, running in some very small trials. I've got family living in Seattle. Oh. And uh, uh, they were... The trials were to benefit the Vashon Island. They say come back, come back in the uh, in the fall for the Vashon Island trial, and so yeah. here I are. Yeah, and so you, I just finished your book, Eminent Dogs, Dangerous Men, which I believe was written in the early '90s. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, and you talk about your trip to Scotland in search of a female dog to bring home to the States, to your farm. And it's a really beautifully written story about your experience. I I mentioned to you before the show, I feel like I just got back from a trip to Scotland after reading your book. Ah, thank you. Um, And, you know, about the dog. And and one of the things that I appreciate just in general about reading, of course, uh, I love interviewing authors um, and Especially, I especially enjoy a good story. And I really found myself in this book in between readings, you know, when I'd put the book down and go do other things like, oh, you know, when is he, is he going to find the dog? Is he, you know, like excited to hear about what all was going to happen. And then, and, you know, and, and learning about it. It was a really great book. And I, I appreciate that experience as a reader of, um, putting a book down and looking forward to picking it up again because you want to find out what happens. Oh, thank you, Julie. So you have been involved in this world of, of trialing and sheepdogs, and by sheepdog we mean border collie, for decades. And, yeah, about uh, 30 years probably, and uh, uh, maybe a little bit more. And you will be trialing with a dog? At the mm-hmm. Vashon Sheepdog Trials? And who yeah. who will you have? A three-year-old uh, who is, uh, let's see, I guess he's run in one big trial before. Uh, my expectations aren't really terribly high, but I, but we will have fun. And what's his name? Jake. Jake. Yep. And is he's, he... Uh, I called his name and he came in and said, is there something to do? <laughs> yes, you called. Yeah, that's exactly right. And is Jake a border collie, I assume? Sure. Okay. The, uh, although sheepdog trials are open to any any dog, any breed, any sex, any age, registered or unregistered, as a practical matter, you very rarely see a dog that is a border collie. Yeah, it's really only Kelpies sprinkled yeah, in there. Yeah, you'll see some Kelpie. Yeah. Uh, not very many, and they, they although... And I, I like Kelpies, but I, I think that they're uh, sort of handicapped by the, uh, the the distances that sheepdog trials. Uh, I think there are things that they do better than border collies. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I were working pens and shoots in hot, hot weather all day, I'd rather have Kelpies than border collies. Mm-hmm. But if you want to send a dog out to pick up sheep at half a mile, three-quarters of a mile, 
uh, I'd rather have a border crawl. When I was talking with Maggie McClure several years ago in one of our conversations uh, promoting this event, we were talking about uh, the difference in um, in the style. Um, uh, we have cattle dogs. I have two cattle dogs as part of my personal pack, um, uh-huh. and we've we've done a little bit, uh, just a, just a tiny bit of work with them. Um, we live in Seattle. We have no sheep or cows or anything for them to actually herd, other than the vacuum. Um, but and probably the hose. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the yeah the broom and all sorts of other things. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but she said that one of the big differences uh, between a border collie and a cattle dog, among other things, is a cattle dog wouldn't even think to look as far away as a border collie does to see sheep. They're they're short distance, you know, very close range, tight quarters kind of herding breeds, um, whereas a border collie is, you know, gliding over these, these slopes. I mean, they can travel a long distance really fast. I have on, on a couple of occasions worked dogs at distances of more than a mile. Wow! And I mean, you, you're just sitting there. You know, you, you give a, you give a whistle, and then because of the speed of sound, it takes a couple seconds before the dog hears it. And it's uh, it's remarkable. It 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 is such a, a privilege to be able to work with these dogs. And one of the real pleasures of it is that they enjoy it just as much as I do. I mean, they like doing this stuff. Yeah. They kind of need to. Uh, They need to do something, although uh, most, probably as many border collies are used in in competitive agility as as Mm -hmm. are uh, used at sheepdog trials. Yeah. Uh, In fact, in the U.K., they have a, a particular class called the uh, ABBC, which is anything but border collie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of Chaser, the border collie, who's learned yeah. over a thousand it, words? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It he... doesn't really surprise me. No. Uh, <clears throat> although I, that said, uh, there are, there are very clever border collies, and there are border collies that are a little, a little slow. Uh, Jake is one of the latter. Ah. Well, it's not a terrible disadvantage because, as someone once explained to me, it may take a, a slower dog forever to get it, but once they've got it, they've got it. Yeah. Whereas a really clever dog will get it very quickly and then go on to something else. Right. You know? Well, you say at the end of the book, and I think this is really important to point out, um, if this has persuaded you to buy a Border Collie for a pet, I've done you and your dog a disservice. If you don't have work for a border collie or time to train it properly, your bright young border collie will invent his own work, and chances are you won't like it. Um, and it's important. I um, a few years ago interviewed somebody with a border collie who was involved in border collie rescue, and I didn't realize border collies are up there, I think, in the top five breeds um, in rescue in the United States because people think, oh, I want a smart dog and get a border collie and then think that they can just um, admire the dog's cuteness and give it affection and think that the dog will be happy. And then, of course, as a result, oftentimes behavioral problems crop up because the dog has no outlet for their mental energy. Well, they're, they're uh, workaholics, probably the 
<clears throat> which is the nice way of putting it. Probably you could say they they have obsessive compulsive disorder. That would be a fair, uh, probably more accurate description. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are a uh, a typical, yeah, there is no typical pet owner. Uh, if you don't know much about dogs and assume that the dog is not going to change your life, then it's sort of like giving a teenager, uh, teenage boy a Ferrari. Mm. Probably not too good an idea. Yeah. Well, in your writing, your connection with dogs is very apparent, and there is a few places in in the book that I just recently finished, uh, Eminent Dogs, Dangerous Men, um, where you you speak to your obvious, you know, very deep connection with dogs. And it sounds like that is a common experience in the community of sheepdog trials and, and people who work with their dogs, that there is or there's at least expected to be uh, mutual respect and uh, bond, and 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 you really speak to how much time uh, farmers spend with their dogs, you know, day oh, in yeah. and day out. The, uh, one of the things that if uh, one of your if your listeners, any of your listeners, come out to the Vashon Island trial for the very first time, and I've never seen one, uh, the things which I find extraordinary won't be the first thing they'll notice. The first thing they'll notice is that there'll be a lot of dogs, and they're not fighting, and they're not quarreling, and a lot of them aren't on a leash. And uh, it's sort of like uh, they're professionals there, too, so they don't have to much bother with uh, mm-hmm. all that, that silly stuff. And also, you won't hear much barking. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, that's the sort of thing that, first of all, uh, surprises people who have never, perhaps in their experience, have never seen a, a mannerly dog before. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that you could take anywhere on or off a leash. And uh, some of that, of course, is the uh, the training and handling they get. But most of it is the dogs themselves because they are not merely willing to do willing to learn, willing to get out in the world, willing to work livestock of any sort, willing to do agility, willing to do obedience. It's, they really want to work with us. Yeah. And uh, I think probably most people imagine pet dogs as being very loving, uh, but sort of reluctant, you know, uh, uh, they don't want to. They don't want to obey, or uh, all they care about is food and all this kind of stuff. And uh, certainly, with these border collies, it's simply not true. What they want to do is to have a, a purpose, a purposeful life in a dog intelligible universe, a, a universe that makes sense to them. Yeah. Part of that seems like the. Uh, nature of a herding dog and that they're really wired generally to work well one to work a lot and to also do their work with you know while interacting with a human but I think the other thing too that really struck me and you wrote about this in Eminent Dogs Dangerous Men is 
You talked a lot about because you were really in Scotland for most of the story. Uh, presumptions made in Britain and America about the nature of dogs are so different. The two cultures, you say, might be describing distinct species. I think you'll see that it's an interesting thing about dogs that very often you'll see the way that uh, people see them and understand them seems to me to be to be sort of quasi-religious. Uh, in uh, pet, pet dog training, uh, uh, there are three or four schools of, of dog training, and they all hate each other. I know. And when you listen to them describing the dogs they're training, doesn't sound like the same animal at all. Uh, it's pretty, dogs will let us believe often what we most need to believe. If you, uh, if you see them as sort of ignorant chow hounds, well, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best, you know? Yeah. Uh, if you see them as noble, there they are standing there nobly, you know? Right. Uh, the dogs that couldn't adapt to our our needs and our desires and our our beliefs uh, didn't survive to breed. You know, I mean, there's, uh, Michael Pollan writes in a in a quite separate uh, uh, discussion that if one day you would like to see the DNA and the do- DNA of humans and the DNA of dogs set side by side, because he thought that they would probably click together. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I suspect that's true. As Vicki Hearn said, they were our first friends. And they were. Yeah. I mean, they, were the, they were the first animals that were domesticated, and, and it was with their help that, that uh, 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 cattle and horses and uh, goats and sheep were domesticated. I mean, I have... I've talked about this before over the years on the show, and I actually just had a conversation last week with uh, Dr. Gene Dodds, and we were actually talking about genetics, specifically about nutrition and its impact on genetic expression. But dogs and humans are actually uh, relatively quite similar genetically when it comes to our digestive systems. Oh, I didn't know that. Which makes well, actually, sense. I guess I did. Both animals are. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, not sheep. But yeah, right. But I do. I've I've thought about and really appreciated the role that our relationship with dogs has played in our success as humans. And I really, really believe uh, from the information that I have and the, my understanding of dogs and our relationship is that we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for dogs. And you wrote about this in Eminent Dogs, Dangerous Men. Um, Since dogs could hear and smell better than men, we could concentrate on sight. Since courage is commonplace in dogs, men's adrenal glands could shrink. Dogs, by making us more efficient predators, give us time to think. In short, dogs civilized us. Yeah, one of the things it also gave us time to do because, you know, imagine you're out in a cave with uh, uh, fairly serious predators, uh, ro- you know, uh, roaming the night. Yeah. And you're there with your family. And one one of the things you're going to do is, is somebody's got to be awake all the time. Right. Uh, you have a dog. You have several, probably three or four dogs, sort of more or less hanging around your garbage heap. Uh, and uh, 
if something comes in close, they're going to wake you up, which means that it gives you that they gave us time to dream, time to think. Because if you're not secure, if you're if you're in fear for your life, you aren't thinking. Yeah. And I suspect gave us time to pray as well. Mm. Well, there's certainly a lot to be said about the physiological response that we have to dogs in that they have a general sort of relaxing quality. Their presence is calming to us in a way that is even measurable. Our blood pressure can drop. Um, you know, that's why kids, for example, who uh, are ha- having a hard time learning to read, uh, you know, there's or- an organization I'm interviewing later this month called Reading with Rover, where therapy dogs sit with children who are learning to read and are who are especially having a harder time with it. And that the kids can read to the dogs and that the dog's calming presence helps them learn. That's very interesting. Yeah. Really. That's very interesting. I'm, I guess I'm not really surprised. I was, I had to get a health certificate for Jake today. So I was in the vet's office. We came out of the exam room into the general lobby and I laid him down over there. And there was a kid there who was probably about, oh, I think maybe eight. And he was he was looking at Jake, and it, you know it was sort of like sort of like a light had gone on. There was a beam between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I said, "Well, you know, you can go over and pet him if you want. He might jump up on you," which he didn't. I'm pleased to say. Uh, but that kid, I mean, there wasn't any other creature in that in that universe for that child right there. You know. Yeah. Uh, and Jake was pretty well focused on him too. Um, so I work when I'm not doing this radio show, uh, my work and my expertise is in dog behavior and training. And Uh I I work with people in the Seattle area and, you know, for all different, all different reasons, people have new puppy and they just want to get going on the right direction or they have a behavioral challenge that they need help resolving, whether it be anxiety or aggression or whatever. So, uh, one thing that's interesting in the, in the, context of the conversation about how dogs have been living with people, the most popular um, length of time now is 40,000 years um, uh, among scientists anyway, that that they say that dogs and people have been living together. And uh, I have never, and I use the word very mindfully, never have I had a client tell me that they want to train the dog not to bark if somebody is you know, at the door or, you know, looking in the window or whatever. People do want to have an off switch to let the dog know, okay, thank you, that's enough, and then have the dog stop barking. But I've never, I've never had, and I wouldn't agree to do it in the first place, but I've never had anybody say, I don't want my dog to bark when somebody's at the door. And that, I think, really speaks to the history of our relationship together. Well, I mean... You know, we have a a dog pack, uh, some of whom are living in our house, some of whom are outside the house living with the sheep, and sometimes they're in the house, too. Right now, both, both our guard dogs are, because they don't like thunder, and we're having a rainstorm, so they're uh, both in the house. Uh-huh. But uh, they have a very proprietary sense of what is ours. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'm not sure without some very strange methods that you could train a dog to not alert to, to danger. Yeah, I wouldn't think that would be a reasonable I think it would expectation. Be hard. I think you just about, I think, you know, I don't think you'd have much left if you were successful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I remember, as a matter of fact, when I was going to go to Scotland, my wife was, was very worried about it because, you know, our nearest neighbor's two miles away. Mm-hmm. And she, she went to, to a friend and she said, Do you think I ought to get a pistol uh, to protect myself? And he said to her, uh, Anne, when I come to you, to your farm, I always am very careful about how I get out of my truck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the UPS man comes bestowing treats to the guard dogs with both hands. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, I want to talk more about your book and, um, of course, the Vashon Sheepdog Trials, which are coming up uh, this year, September 10th through 13th. Um, I will be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday all day. Um, I'll be at a booth this year, and I have the pleasure of um, talking with Donald McKaig, who is on the show with us right now. Also, again, at the trials, I'm going to be interviewing him live on Saturday, and then I'll also be hosting a panel discussion with some of the handlers um, who are trialing as well on Sunday, and you'll have an opportunity to ask questions as well. It is such a wonderful event. I highly, highly, highly encourage you to check it out. It's a real quick uh, ferry ride uh, from West Seattle over to Vashon Island. It's about a 20-minute ferry ride, and it's just a lovely way to spend the weekend. The Vashon Sheepdog Classic, you can find them online, VashonSheepdogClassic.com. I'm talking with Donald McKaig, who's the author of his new book, Mr. and Mrs. Dog. And uh, he'll be at the trials this year as well. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And the dogs, they run. And the dogs, they And the dogs, they run. And the good, good morning sun. This is Julie Forbes. I'm excited to tell you about Farm Dog Naturals, a company that handcrafts herbal remedies for the all-natural dog. Quality and integrity are must-haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, crusty noses, as well as pet urine, stains, and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed, and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Designing Health, makers of Missing Link, we cover the world of animals. This week, June 12th, it's a best Sunday with Dr. Nels Rasmussen, and we'll have open phone lines. Dr. Nels can help with emotional, behavioral, or physical problems. He can test for allergies, drug, or supplement compatibility and dosages for you or your animal friends. Call us for your free remote session. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? 
Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options, to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And the dogs, they run. And the dogs stay. And the dogs, they run. Good, good morning, son. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Back talking with author Donald McCaig. And uh, I just finished his book, Eminent Dogs, Dangerous Men, which was a lovely read. And I am looking forward to reading his most recent book, which is titled Mr. and Mrs. Dog. And uh, Donald will be attending the Vashon Sheepdog Trials this year, which we are always excited about when it comes around. One of my favorite events every year in the Seattle area, dog-related events anyway. And um, it's all weekend long, and it's on Misty Isle Farms on Vashon Island, and it is a lovely time. It's a beautiful setting, and you can come and bring some chairs or blankets to sit on, and there are uh, some food vendors of, you know, local, delicious, healthy food um, artists there who have some of their artwork on display. There's demonstrations with, with wool um, there is a beer garden and then, of course, the trials themselves. And I am just uh, thrilled to be participating again this year and uh, to meet Donald in person. Um, Donald, welcome back to the dog show. So we were talking in the last segment about, um, you know, your work with Border Collies and um, working with dogs in general and kind of the culture of dogs in America. And if you if you've missed any part of this interview or any of our over 300 episodes, you can find them all archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, or you can go to iTunes and download The Dog Show with Julie Forbes for free. So, Donald, um, there are some things in your book that I, one of the one of the reasons why I so highly recommend uh, pe- that people who are interested in dogs, any kind of dog, attend a sheepdog trial because it demonstrates a quintessential example of the human-dog relationship, um, you know, that has lasted over thousands and thousands of years. And one of the things that I love about this event is that it's, 
it shows humans and dogs working together. But especially one of the things that I've talked about, um, really focused on about this event in my conversations is how the humans communicate with the dogs and how generally how subtle the communication is and and really that the teamwork is so evident that the dog is working, the human is working, they're working together, and that the dog is clearly making some decisions on his own and and then also following direction, but that it's there's a clear mutual respect between the dog and the human. And you you spoke a lot about the the respect and and that it's necessary between all of the animals between from the the sheep to the dog from the the dog to the human from the human to the dog and the sheep i mean the respect is just kind of flowing between all the animals and an understanding of all the animals all the time and that's when you get the best results yeah it uh when i'm running a dog uh I, it's about as close to an out-of-body experience as I'm ever going to have, I think. Mm. Uh, if someone was shooting at me, I wouldn't know it. You are in that moment with the dog, and at sort of at that point where the dog is, is contacted, is connected to the sheep, because, you know, uh, we're dog people, but... If you're going to be any good at this at all, you have to become a sheep person. It's a three-species sport. And uh, it's a gentle sport. Uh, you cannot force a sheep to do anything. And if your dog, if the sheep are frightened of the dog, uh, they're just going to run. They'll just take off or they'll stand and fight the dog or what what they are doing uh is they are respecting the dog. Uh, they're moving, what we say, moving off it. Uh, and you are determining through the dog where they should go next. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I've had friends tell me that, that the reason they did it was because it was the most difficult work they've ever done in their lives. Mm. It is extraordinarily complicated. It takes a long time to learn it. Uh, they say in Scotland that it takes uh, as many years to train a sheepdog for an open trial as the dog has legs and a tail. Well, Jake is just three, so I think he may be a little unprepared for this. Mm. Uh, and it takes a very long time uh, to learn how to do it. I mean, people come into this thinking they're going to fool around for a little bit. You know, they've got an agility dog, and they they say, well... I'd like to uh, get out and see what the what the border collie was bred for, and all of a sudden this dog turns into something else. I mean, the you know the dog, his tail drops down, he crouches and doesn't listen to a word you say. Mm. I'm talking about you know the first moments of, of training, mm-hmm. and uh, it either people get very seriously infected at that point. Yeah. Uh, where they just run, sensibly run home, you know? Well, uh, it, it's true. It's certainly true from my experience of no experience with sheep ever. Lots with dogs, but not really not around yeah. sheep at all. And when we took our cattle dogs out for some herding lessons, um, we 
especially the the male was a little uh, when you were describing um, Pip about being hyper. Uh, that's yeah. that's how our male cattle dog is. He's a little up and down, um, but our female is very balanced, and she's very calm and she's very powerful. And she was like, I know, you know, first time in the ring, you know, the uh, our um, instructor was telling us how how to move to to get some separation between the sheep and ourselves so that the dog could bring the sheep back to us because of course the yeah. sheep don't want to leave our side and we were just you know cumbersome and sort of you know not knowing where to go and what direction to go and telly the dog was just running the sheep around us in a circle like i know what to do i know what to do it was so funny like she was clearly in her element and we had no idea what we were doing <laughs> Yeah, well, she was bred for it, you see. it, And we were bred for, for taking bananas out of trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was just, uh, and I have never forgotten, I got to know her in a way that I wouldn't know her if I hadn't done any hurting with her. I, I definitely... Yeah, it's, it's an extraordinary thing. Yeah. It, and it's one of the big, you know, uh, you teach uh, obedience, mannerliness uh, uh, for people's pets. Well... The thing about that is that it's quite independent of breed. In other words, sit means the same at whether you've got a Wheaton Terrier or whether you've got a Great Dane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, the, the training is to make a, a dog uh, predictable and handleable in the human environment. Uh, sheepdog training, on the other hand, absolutely depends on genetics. What you're doing, uh, and you saw it with 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 your female, uh, in the very first moments you're training it, is you're trying to awaken the dog's genetics. And all of a sudden, this dog, which may be a perfectly obedient family pet, could care less about you. Yeah. I I once saw a woman who had multiple arches on a border collie. Dog was eight years old. Brought it into a into, at a sheepdog clinic. And the dog took off after the sheep, wouldn't down, wouldn't come, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't sit. The woman had tears streaming down her face mm-hmm. because this was an obedient dog. Yeah. But once those genetics started working, you're dealing with, you're dealing with a whole different skill set. Yeah. Well, you talk in your book, um, Eminent Dogs, Dangerous Men, um, quite a bit. And I really appreciate this aspect of the conversation because I think it's important for people to understand, especially with, and you alluded to this earlier, of the culture of dog training in this country and how polarized it is and and uh, heated the debates are on this method versus that method. And, and you know, you, you talk about the place of, you know, that o- obedience training is very different from from training a dog that you're working with and you you gave an example of a dog who was actually killed because he was trampled in you know holding a downstay and didn't break the command and then ended up getting trampled um but i think what's so important for people and my focus with my clients is you know i want to show people how to work with their dog because it's a way for them to get to know the dog's mind as an individual you know regardless of breed certainly taking breed into consideration because it's important. But um, so I encourage working people to work with their dogs. I don't necessarily care what the work is as long as they both enjoy it. Um, But it's less so about this sort of rigid 
you know, I really wonder, and this is what I do for a living, you know, working with training and behavior, but sort of what need is there for obedience training in our lives with dogs as much as the need for communication, mutual respect, giving the dog an outlet for his mental and physical energy. Uh, The training itself matters less to me. It's more that what it provides for the relationship. Well, in in some ways, I really agree with you, but in a in one fundamental way, I don't, because I think that for a, a, a civilian dog owner uh, with a pet dog that they just picked up from the pound or they just got a pup, uh, the easiest way to establish that bond and to uh, create the respect that we've both been talking about is to routinely train the dog. Uh, I mean, you... and. To work with the dog, however you do it, right, uh, and by whatever method. I mean, I, I, uh, I have no uh, particular argument about the differing schools of, of pet dog training, because I've seen cases where each one of them produced absolutely happy dogs and happy owners. Uh, but it was. I guess what I'm going to say is that training is a great way to get involved with your dog. Yeah, and that's um, so. When I say that, the reason why I um, why I like to teach people how to work with their dogs in the context of obedience training is that it it allows the person to get to know the dog's mind and how the dog thinks. And Absolutely. I also and I also think you know, of course that. And I spoke to mutual respect, but I think that dogs do generally um, do do well with some structure. And, of course, it's important to set boundaries and all that stuff. Um, But I think I'm just speaking more like I'm not as interested in sort of rigid obedience. Oh, yeah. I I, in uh, Mr. and Mrs. Dog, the latest book, Mm -hmm. I do a history of of obedience training, which you'll be interested in looking at when Mm. when you see it. Yeah. And. Uh, a lot of those exercises were originally police dog exercises that transmuted into what we know as competitive uh, obedience today. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't really designed. I mean, I, I'll give you one example. The reason, you know, uh, the, uh, the police dog uh, obedience was started by uh, pr- Prussian military people. And the reason that heel dogs heel on the left is because they had their pistol on the right. Mm. I mean, that was, there's no better reason, right? Uh, and uh, but on the other hand, teaching something that as arbitrary as the dog's got to be on your left rather than on your right, as you're doing that, you're doing just what you what you have suggested. You're learning the dog. Right. You're learning how to talk to the dog. Yeah. You're learning when you can talk to the dog. I mean, uh, there there's very few things that are are uh, quite as pointless as the dog is absolutely fixated on something, and this person is trying to tell them to sit, stay, calm, heal. The dog's in another planet, can't hear a word they're saying. You right. Know? Yeah. Well, it's just so interesting. There's so much uh, rich conversation in talking about the human-dog connection, and I think especially in terms of 
communication. And I think that going to sheepdog trials like the Vashon Sheepdog Classic, which is coming up September 10th through the 13th this year on Vashon Island, go to VashonSheepdogClassic.com for more information. I think that, uh, you know, watching handlers working their dogs and watching the relationship is such a beautiful thing to witness. And, and um, you said in your book, um, you know, I'll leave, I'll leave people with this from your book and then I highly, highly recommend Donald McCaig's books. Um, wonderful writer, wonderful books. Um, if you're interested in dogs, highly recommend. Um, I just finished Eminent Dogs, Dangerous Men. Most recent book is Mr. and Mrs. Dog. You said subtlety speaks volumes in communication with dogs. And I just thought that that was just very well put, that it really is one of the things I love coaching the human part of the equation in working with their dogs is to be really mindful of the ways that they communicate subtly with their dogs that they may not be aware of, but that the dogs certainly are. You know, it brings up topics of conversation around nonverbal communication and really being present and in our bodies and aware of what we're kind of giving off in that respect because the dogs are picking it up all the time. It's a, uh, it's a little like dance. Yeah. Uh, the dog's first language is, uh, is body language. Yeah. And uh, it, when people come out to Varshan, if they watch invariably the the dog human team that are going to do the best will be the quietest mm. you'll hardly be able to hear them most of the time yeah i love that about the about about that and i love that you said that thanks so much for your time today on the show and i look forward to talking with you again thank you very much it's been fun julie And again, the Vashon Sheepdog Trials this year are this weekend, June 9th through 12th on Vashon Island, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I believe Thursday is the novice runners, and then uh, Friday, um, Saturday, and Sunday are sort of the regular competitors, and they run run different competitors throughout the thing. And I was just thinking about... um, you know, as in reflecting on my interview with Donald and last year um, participating in the trials in a new way and um, sitting next to Laura, who was the MC, and um, getting to sort of back up for her and listening to her and how much I learned. Um, you know, one of the things I love about the show and about my job is how much I learn and how much I continue to learn about dogs. It's just awesome. Um, our One of our partners is going to have a booth at the trials this year, Um Farm Dog Naturals is going to be there. I have been documenting the progress that Lois has made. Uh, one of our old dogs got a sort of laceration underneath one of her eyes. It was a pretty deep one, but I, it didn't seem like something that would have been necessarily, I guess would have that would, wouldn't have been necessary to take her to the vet, but I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? But then I was like, well, I have this salve from Farm Dog Naturals that is made for wounds like this. Mm. And I thought this is a great opportunity to test the product. Um, and I have we had used it already and have been super impressed. But so I, I have been um, packing it 
with uh, doing what Rita told me in, in our interview um, just a couple months ago, packing the wound um, and then doing hot compresses and keeping keeping a scab off of it so that it's able to clear out and and not get backed up and form an abscess or anything like that. And Lois is, um, it is healed. I mean, she's still got like, it's bald and um, her skin underneath her eyes is sort of black. She has like that kind of eyeliner that dogs get, you know? Yeah. Um, Abby the Beagle looks like she's wearing mascara. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of the skin is black um, and the hair hasn't grown back yet. But um, but as far as the wound closing, it was really cool to witness the healing process and and to let her body kind of take care of it with proper care. Um, and those I'm just blown away by their products. They're so awesome. Highly recommend them. They have the two salves for two different uh, purposes, a um, relaxing aromatherapy um, oil, and then they have a really great household cleaner as well. And their website is farmdognaturals.com. You can order their products from anywhere, anywhere in the world, the beauty of the Internet, uh, farmdognaturals.com. They're going to have a booth at the Sheepdog Trials this year, so it'll be fun to be with them again. Um, I met them at the... Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show. We were they were in the booth next to us, and that's how we got connected. And I'm so grateful that we did because their products are great. Um, and then there'll also be other great vendors and uh, demonstrations. The Fiber Arts Village, which I love, is like all things wool, all sorts of wool crafts and um, gorgeous things made by wool. And demonstrations, sheep shearing demonstrations, and there's a beer garden and local delicious food and. Thankfully, the weather will be actually cooler this weekend. We've had a bit of a heat wave, but uh, lucky for the dogs and the handlers, especially who are competing, it'll be uh, cooler for them this weekend, which will be nice. I can't say I mind it either, honestly, but um, so that's awesome, too. Hey, if you have missed any of our shows, you can find them all archived on our website, dogradioshow.com. You can also go to iTunes and download them all for free from iTunes. And you can go to our Facebook page, which is The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And uh, I post our interviews up to our Facebook page directly as well through SoundCloud. So that's a really easy way to get our, um, get our shows that way too. And if you would like a free car sticker that has our website on it, they're really cute. They look just like the oval logo on our website with the orange dog and the blue background and the microphone in his mouth. Um, just send me an email, host at dogradioshow.com, and I'll send you some stickers wherever you are. We've sent them all over the world at this point, so don't hesitate. And I look forward to seeing you at the Sheepdog Trials this weekend. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.